and then Grant, I'd be running ads for him, and I'm like trying to optimize and get a better ROI, and he was like, spend more, spend more. I'm like, Grant, we need to optimize and get a better ROI, and he says, do I look like I care about ROI? You know, it's almost hypocritical if a coach doesn't have a coach, if a mentor doesn't have a mentor. I'm, I have a mentor that's 25 years old. You know, I'm old enough to be his dad, but he's my mentor because I recognize he's a lot better at this than I am and I can learn from him. Yeah, there, there's definitely not one individual that is going to be able to cover all areas of um, your life. Today we have the pleasure of a guest. We've got Paul Getter, aka the marketing nerd, who's got a huge plethora of experience and probably one of the first people I think to advertise actually on Facebook and on Facebook ads and to help blow up brands for people like Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez. So today I've got a pleasure of speaking to you and to extract as much knowledge as I can to help myself and also the audience. Careful, actually. careful, man. Careful. Don't take it all. So, um, <laughs> Thanks for having me here, bro. Yeah, and you had an awesome event here in Dubai yesterday, and you're going to have another one, actually. I think it's going to come. Yeah, in a few months, that. we're going to be yeah. having another one. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll share the details for that below the podcast. Um, first question I'd ask you is if you were an audacious young man who wanted to blow up an online business, what would you do? Well, uh, well, I think it, if, if you have a budget, it's a lot easier. That's the second question. Was asked, is how much would you need to spend? <laughs> right, right. So, n number one, I think it is about building a strong personal brand. Uh, you know, have someone charismatic, someone that has some gifts, some, uh, you know, a story that can connect with people and get them in front of a camera, get some content, tell the story, connect with people, build relationships. Uh, nowadays, it's more than just content, but it's building real tangible relationships with people that people can connect with you, learn about you. So it would start there. And then, yeah, Part two is get some money and put a budget behind your content, build systems that generate revenue that can fuel that business. And what would you be doing specifically with that would be like boosting content out to get eyeballs in and then almost like creating content that say the CTA is at the end to follow, but like highly engaging content and then just pushing that out to your audience. Yeah. So I, I use a little formula I call ice. Okay. So first of all, what I would do is I would make some videos that would just kind of introduce yourself to the audience, uh, your story. A lot of people don't realize that that story that you have, what you've went through, your journey, your experiences, your failures is really what connects people to who you are. So I'd build a video telling your story, who you are, what you've done, your experiences in life and fuel a lot of traffic to that. So people are like, wow, who is this guy? Oh, wow. And they start to connect. They start to build that relationship with them. And then I'd start to build, uh, build out content um, that educates people. So first of all, I, introduction, C, content. Content that educates people, positioning you as the expert in your industry. So whatever industry, whatever niche it might be, you start to build content that shows people strategies, tactics, things that you can add value to their business. And then after that, um, E is engage. So that's where you kind of ask for the sale. That's where you begin to push a product that would generate revenue, whether it's a, a product, a service, a course, something like that. You know, the old days, it used to be like, uh, I like to relate it to um, people online would have one night stands. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I like this guy. Bye. And, yeah, you know, yeah. there's no, it's just like they see a shiny object. Bye. But now you got to have to, you kind of have to date the person a little bit, get the warm them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. and in terms of like platforms, I think a lot has changed over the last few years yeah. in terms of how they work and used to do that. 
do you think a certain platforms people should focus on more or how do you maybe see that changing in the next couple of months or couple of years? Yeah, so this is what I've learned is where you put the most attention is where you're going to grow. Uh, I remember years ago having a conversation with Ty Lopez and he said, Paul, I notice I get a good ROI on Snapchat. Snapchat is the platform. And I was like, okay, Snapchat is the platform. So I started looking and then I realized, okay, Ty, you post once a day on Instagram. You post, you know, two times a week on Facebook, but Snapchat, you're posting four times a day. So is Snapchat the platform or is it the platform because you use it the most? So I think where you use um, you put out the most content, that is where you're going to attract the audience. Obviously, there's different types of audiences based on the platform. You know, you're going to see different people on LinkedIn that are not on TikTok. You know, so it's just kind of finding where your audience is and where your voice is. What would you say is the most powerful platform to master if you can master one? Well, in my experience, and this is not my personal experience, but seeing clients, I would say YouTube. Uh, and, and for the reason is YouTube is more than a social media platform. It's a search engine platform. So when people go to your content, they have a higher intent. You know, so if they're going looking for personal training, they're looking for personal trainers, your content pops up. So they have a higher level of intent where, for example, TikTok or uh, Instagram, they're just scrolling and oh, a personal training video. Cool. Let me check that out. So there's not that necessarily high intent. It's more of just kind of a, a disruptive. Oh, yeah. Personal training. It's, like forced, that video. In front of it's forced in front of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense and was basically what I would ask. Um, in terms of when people are growing their businesses, growing their audiences, what would you say are the biggest mistakes most people make when scaling? Uh, probably getting addicted to the numbers and this uh, chase of virality. Okay. You know what I mean? Because there's a danger in creating content just to go viral, mm. but not creating content to build communities. Building communities is what's going to give you longevity, that content. Uh, virality. I've seen people get viral videos. Boom. Amazing. And I, I think that you should strive to make content that connects with as many people as possible. But sometimes that viral content will get you followers that are not necessarily loyal to your community. So if you make content that serves people, content that educates, informs, inspires them, and it's not just you know a one-hit wonder viral video, then you're going to build a longer-lasting community. So don't get like stuck on the numbers. Uh, you know, look at it this way. You might post a video and it gets a thousand views. If you came to me and said, Paul, I spoke at an event. And there was a thousand people. Mm. I'm like, man, that's amazing. Incredible. But for some reason, we don't have the same excitement when we get a thousand views on our video. So if you're putting out good content that connects with people, realize each one of those views are meaningful and they are people that you could potentially connect with. Is there anything you've seen that helps people in terms of actually pulling in more reach on any of these platforms, even maybe the structures of the videos? Or a question for you is in terms of like your own content, super high level, you've got an audience of 2 million followers on Instagram. Um, do you script your own videos like word for word or you just do the hook and then free? Yeah, I, I, I think like I have friends that if I say, hey, do a video on this, for them to do it spontaneously 
is impossible. It's just, you know, they have to script it. They have to have the teleprompter. Um, other people that they can, you know, just off the cuff do content. So I think it's a matter of a, a personal preference if you script it or if it's just off the cuff. But I think that sometimes the those random spontaneous ideas are the ones that have a higher likelihood of going viral. It's it's I think that there are principles of virality that can be duplicated, but it's hard to, you know, um, do a viral video that is uh, completely scripted and this is what I'm going to do. A lot of times people go viral for a reason they didn't even realize they went viral. Yeah, just something clip bait or just by chance. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the people you've worked with in terms of helping scaling their business, we've spoken about you've worked with Grant Cologne, Ty Lopez, other big names and loads of other entrepreneurs. What do you see is the big difference from the ones who crush it and been super successful and the ones who have maybe not been so successful? Uh, well, I think what you'll see if you look at these individuals is they've recognized not everybody likes them. Mm. And they're not trying to appeal to everybody. They can often be polarizing. I've heard people, you know, I say, oh, I've worked with Ty Lopez. I work with Grant Cardone. And someone says, oh, man, that's amazing. And another person's like, oh, man, I can't stand them. And so I recognize that these individuals, you either like them or you love them. Yeah. You, know, you know, like them or you hate them. It's, it's just there's no in between. Like, oh, yeah. So it's uh, what they've been able to do is they've been able to amplify their attributes, their personalities in a way that it might be divisive. It might not connect with everybody. One of the dangers of trying to appeal to everybody is that if you're trying to make everybody like you, it ends up nobody likes you. It's like, ah. But, too vanilla almost. Right, right, right. But so when you can be passionate about those subjects and bold about it, who you are, then people are captured by that. People somehow like there might like for example, um, there was a time when I first started doing content that I I was trying to have this broad appeal and you know I have areas of my life and faith and my nerdiness and you know my desire for comic books and you know superheroes and stuff like that I tried to like tone it down because you know I would I'd recognize that I'd get on calls with individuals and I'm in a room that's surrounded by comic books and superheroes and stuff and these are professional business leaders and like oh, how can I take this guy serious this bow tie this glasses the nerd I can't take him serious and that happened and then I have individuals that maybe my faith was something that they didn't connect with and so I found myself trying to modify and appeal to everybody and then number one I wasn't happy with myself I wasn't like being true to who I was. And then I came to the point where like, okay, if people don't want to work with me because I like comic books, I like superheroes, um, I have an element of faith in my life. If they don't want to work with me because of that, I probably don't want to work with them either. So I embrace that. I run with that. And I end up connecting the people with the people that are like me and that I work better with. So the same can be said with any of these leaders in their industry that they've embraced who they are. They're polarizing, um, but they've learned to connect with their audience. And would you say that's them just being authentic in terms of who they are? Because I think particularly the fitness industry, I see one of the big issues is it's very, very manufactured, the same yeah, yeah, bullshit yeah. where everyone's like, three tips to lose belly fat, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. just copies the same crap, right? Yeah. And it's like very few people are actually showcasing who they are and what they are and, and their backstory of 
where they are now from where they came from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, a great point. One of my coaching students by the name of Steven, he's a personal trainer. And he has been able to build this audience community um, and for that matter, a significant revenue. And one of the things that I'm almost embarrassed for him because he's so raw and authentic. Um, like yourself, he's very well ripped and, you know, the... Uh, um, you know, persona of someone that has been in personal training for a while. But I remember he shared a video of um, years ago when he got liposuction. And it was like shocking because no personal trainer is going to put out there, I got liposuction, you know, I've got, you know, in my stomach area, so I have more defined abs. They would normally say, ah, oh, you know, I did, you know, mm. a hardcore workout and everything like that. That's how I got ripped. But he was transparent on that. And that was one of his most viral videos. And, and it was just because he was being transparent to the fact that people may criticize him for that. But he's being transparent on who he was. And so, yeah, so I think that's really important in the equation. With that do you think that's the fastest way to grow an audience in 2024 that type of like authentic maybe viral content that's slightly vulnerable that people mm -hmm. can put out i don't know if it is the fastest way i don't know if it is the fastest way you know there might be um faster faster ways to grow an audience but i think you have to take a step back and ask yourself is it more about the quantity of followers or the quality of followers i think you know there's a lot of tricks and gimmicks we can do to grow it faster but a building a solid lasting audience yes being authentic being real being transparent sharing you know all of the sides of your life that is going to build a real strong meaningful audience i think that's one of the mistakes most people like make it's the same fitness crap that people share yeah, yeah. Like on their story stuff I was like I'll post a video of my cat and that people like people engage with that <laughs> a lot but like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like oh yeah I have cat I like cats yeah, and yeah, yeah. they like you yeah. more and same with you yeah. in terms of comic book things I think yeah. that's where people are almost they're looking for something that they can like and trust you more it, 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 it makes you a real person yeah, yeah, it makes you a real person it's like uh, I remember so years ago I I was trying to introduce this and it was just like a, a balancing act and I realized, like, if you just so show one side of yourself, then people, you think just showing them this good side of you is like, that'll work. But what actually happens, like, people are like, I mean, this guy, he's a jerk, man. He's so snobby, you know, he's so stuck up. He's just unrelatable because you're just showing this professional business side and stuff like that. But then when you start to loosen up and, you know, oh, I like this and share other things, like, you become more relatable. And before you even connect with the person, they already feel like they know you. Yeah, I think uh, that's what people are often overlooking. With personal branding, how, do you see that changing over the coming years? Do you think that's going to get more important or less? Because in my opinion, I think, you can correct me if I think I'm wrong on this as well, but I think yeah, you're wrong. The, the, wrong. the, cost, <laughs> of, uh, the cost of paid ads is going to keep going up sure. over the next few years. So I think people's, personal brand is going to become more valuable which is why I, when I asked you earlier about like what's the one form of content you want to master in my opinion I agree YouTube is the one because it's more evergreen yeah. that will keep like pulling people in for you I think people need to shift more to that now because I think the 
pay-per-play game in Facebook, for example, is going to get more expensive. That that has always been the trend. I remember the days I used to be able to get 10 clicks for a penny. Like, just imagine, website clicks, 10 clicks for a penny. Now, the same click, it would cost you a dollar, at least, um, to get a click. So, yeah, the cost of ads is definitely going up. Secondly, what you have to think of is AI, is you can make content with AI. You can do a lot of things with AI. And I hear people saying AI is going to replace this, AI is going to replace that. But with, like you said, the cost of ads always increasing, the introduction of AI, this is all the more reason why you need to invest in a personal brand. Uh, I don't think personal brands will ever be replaced by AI. I think that you'll have these... um, AI-generated personas that generate revenue that represent brands and everything like that. But there's something that happens when people find out that that ad or whatever is AI-generated. They're like, oh, man, that's so stupid. I have a friend that despises AI. He's like, AI is the devil. It's the Antichrist and everything like that. He just despises it. And I'm like, man, I use AI all the time. And I remember one time he um, saw one of the content uh, you know a, a carousel content that i made and he sent me a message on whatsapp he's like bro that's a really good piece of content i like that i wanted to tell him i made that with chat gpt i wanted to tell him that so bad but i knew if i did it would just like spoil it for him so uh personal brains in that personal touch i'll tell you another great one uh, so i i have on my phone an automation setup that when I arrive at the gym, look, man, don't don't let the suit and the bow tie. Suit man under there. Yeah, yeah. Man, I go to the gym. I go okay. to the gym. But when I go to the gym, I have an automation set up on my phone that as soon as I arrive, um, based on my geolocation, it sends a little text message to my wife. I'm at the gym now. Kiss emoji and sends it to her. You know, and then she says, oh, thanks for letting me know. Have a good Does workout. She know about well, here's the problem. Just now. Here's the problem. So one day, we're in the car, heading to a restaurant, and as we're driving through the parking lot, I'm driving, and she's in the passenger seat, and we are very close to my gym. All of a sudden, she re- receives a text message, I'm at the gym now, kiss emoji. And she looks over at me, and I have no idea. I'm not even paying attention. She looks over at me, and she says, you're at the gym now, huh? I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, I just got your text message. And at that moment, like, I'm busted. I'm busted. And it lost that meaningful connection at that moment. As soon as she realized it was an automated text message that she was getting every morning when I went to the gym, it's like, this doesn't mean anything. So the same thing, AI automation and stuff, when people realize there's not a person behind this. There's a disconnect because they want a heart. They want a soul. They want a person that they can legitimately connect with. 100%. Talking about AI, what, do you, what are your favorite tools you use in AI, uh, for AI? Are you obviously use them for some interesting things. What would you say that the main core ones you use within your business and with your clients? Yeah, so I use a couple. Uh, 
I use, of course, ChatGPT. Yeah. Helps create content, ideas, strategies, um, even copywriting for ads and landing pages. I think it gives us a good structure and then put in the hand of an experienced copywriter that can improve it, work it, massage it. It does really well. Um, one of the things that we help clients do is create books. So we will use ChatGPT to create a book. Um, in a working process. It's not all ChatGPT. We have ghostwriters that work in conjunction with ChatGPT and work with the client. And so that's a really valuable tool. Another cool tool that we use to take the book and turn it into an audio book because you know nowadays people don't like to necessarily sit down and uh, read a book they might just listen to an audio book there's an app called revoicer where you can actually put um, the text in you can record your voice train it in your voice and then from there it will read the book in your voice or a chosen voice and it turns it into a, an audio book uh, also like dolly for image creation yeah. and i find myself number one uh creating ideas for ads or pictures and stuff like that but it's almost like a hobby like i think of an idea uh, again being a um superhero fan i'll be like okay make me a picture of spider-man and iron man mixed together and then i get this new superhero and everything so I i'll play around with it almost like a hobby and stuff but it's the tools like that I like to use to get creative ideas flowing. Um, for example, I'll ask it, I'm like, give me 50 headlines. And then I will go through the headlines. And I'm like, okay, I like this one, but let me change it a little bit. And I'll come up with something um, that I like. Or, you know, business names, something. I'll kind of, um, it gives me some extra creative ideas. ideas that I can work. And, oh, I never thought of that. So it's pretty cool. It's almost like a creative body to look back. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't necessarily use it as okay. This is it does everything for me, but it definitely gives me a structure idea and helps me think in different patterns. So, say for example, like the headline thing, would you do like write me ten uh, headlines on creating viral content or whatever it might sure. be? Sure. Would you then take the headline you want, put that back into ChatGPT, and then like write me a, a script for an Instagram? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So I would do that and. Then I might, so I might take one headline and say, create me 10 more like this, but use this word instead of this word. Uh, you know, make it more exciting, more, make it more compelling. My audience is this, and then try to refine the headline. Like it might have a little sizzle, but after you begin to add a few more prompts and educate a little bit more, yeah. then it'll give you a, a more refined headline that works better. I, I have to say one of the best things I found ChatGPT for using recently is doing financial projections for people's businesses. Okay, yeah. Which I never thought, I don't know where I got the idea from. I was just like, put it in and see if we just figure it out. And it like breaks it all down, targets for months, and like you can like stagger revenue across the year, like if you want to backload it. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is wild. And I think the most interesting thing with AI is that people, the first thing people thought it wouldn't replace is the creativity, but it's actually the first thing it has replaced, really. It has, yeah. Uh, I was playing around. Uh, one of my sons came into my room and he had a jar of quarters and he put it in front of me. He said, okay, dad, guess how many quarters is in the jar? Guess how much total is here? So I looked at it. I said, hold on just a minute. I pulled up chat GPT. I said, how many ounces is the jar? And he told me how many ounces. I said, what type of jar is it? And it was like ragu spaghetti sauce. And I typed that in and I asked it, I said, how many quarters will fit in a 24 ounce ragu spaghetti sauce jar and 
it spit out the number and i don't know it's like a hundred and uh 149 dollars and 50 cents that was the answer and i told my son i said i'm gonna guess 149 dollars and 50 cents he shook his head he said Dad, I originally had $149.50 in it, but I squeezed two more quarters in there because I wanted it $150 exactly. So the fact that ChatGPT could do that to the exact you know, dollar amount was amazing. So yeah, there's a lot of potential in what it can do. Do you think when it gets to the point where with AI, it can just run the whole ad system for you? Do you think people with like... Uh, marketing agencies need to be concerned that I could literally be like ChatGBT. I want to run an ad to trainers who are in Dubai who are 25 to 40. Sure, sure. Here's a link to the video. Off you go. I, I, th- I think it will even go further than that. Uh, so it's interesting. I wrote an article for Forbes uh, about two years ago talking about the direction of marketing in the future. And this was before ChatGPT was released. And so it was kind of forward thinking in it. And what I propose is there will probably be a time when you pick up your phone and you go to Facebook and you say, make me an ad um, for this landing page. And Facebook will auto-generate. You know that Facebook already has their own AI creation um, system built into it, and they're um, creating AI bots, so they're growing in AI altogether. So you'll just pick up your phone and say, hey, this is my landing page, this is my product, make me an ad. And then Facebook will create this ad, and you know, here's five variations, this is the projected CTR, this is projected. And then them being a, um, a business, they would probably launch these ads and initially, you know, they would optimize mm. and train this ad, which is not really happening. Um, but that ad would start to perform and start to slowly increase, but it would be an AI-generated ad. Uh, so with that being said, another reason why ad cost is going to go up and all the more reason to build a personal brand because it doesn't matter if you're the best marketing agency in the world ai can do your job for you here's a question which has led me to well actually the first thing i I wrote down to actually ask you about your event yesterday was about writing a book and I also think that something like written a, writing a physical book is a way to almost counteract AI and things like that because it's yeah. more like a physical as a personal brand thing. Yeah. W- would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's something about a book, um, for that matter, any tangible products that you have that have, you know, this appeal and this connection with people. A book, for example, when you place a book in someone's hand, say, this is my book that I wrote it positions you as an authority, as you know, someone that took the time to sit down, write, put your thoughts on paper. And so it connects with people. There's an emotional connection. We've actually seen this in testing. So we encourage our clients and coaching students that we work with to uh, make a book and we turn it into a funnel. So we do a physical book and we also do an audio book. Well, here's the interesting thing in the statistics that we've seen. A physical book has a higher um, customer lifetime value than an audiobook. And there's no real reason. The funnels are pretty much identical. The ads are identical. The targeting audience is identical. But 
I think there's something about that when a person gets your book and they put it on their desk, their table, you know, maybe your pictures on that book, that there is a connection that is made that is not made on an audio book. I think almost part of it is like you're in the home, right? So you're in their environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They see you all the time, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's your environment is like one of the hugest um, defining factors of your success. If you can get someone in, you physically can get something you've made in their environment, which yeah. is why I like giving away notepads like you do actually. You're ready to yeah, say yeah, like yeah. giving physical stuff so you see it all the time, I think. Is yeah, we get, we give the nerd box. And that uh, statistically and, and research has shown that you can – you can increase the lifetime value of your customer by two or three months by sending physical products um, to their house. Uh, we do a nerd box. We do other things. We also do like postcards, sending postcards to people, um, handwritten letters. Um, when people enter into my coaching program, I'll send them a handwritten letter and a, a nerd box, and it makes that connection in the lifetime value uh, you know, when a person is like at a six month point, we'll send cookies um, to them. And maybe you won't, won't do that in the personal fitness industry, but I love them like cookies, too. <laughs> but we'll do that. And it makes a connection with them and it steadily increases the lifetime value. We've done it without and lifetime value, say like three, four months, and then implementing those touch points of connecting and lifetime value increase to 12 to 14 months. So that's, that's very, very yeah. interesting. Have you thought about trying to add something in at whatever the drop-off point is with your clients almost like the month or two before that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we do that when they're like, if they're on a 12-month contract, that before um, that ends like at month 11, we send them a special gift. You know, we're going to be celebrating your um, one-year anniversary and all the success. And we look forward to another year with you. You know, so you're planting that seed. Yeah, yeah, planting that seed. Yeah. That's smart. Um, in terms of you working obviously with all these successful people, a couple of questions. So what was the biggest lesson you learned from working with Ty Lopez? Uh, so when you, when you work so at any given time um, at Ty Lopez's office one day and Grant Cardone's office the next day, two completely different individuals. So Ty Lopez, number one, this is what I always tell people. Um, what you see on a one-minute video about an individual does not define who they are in a whole. I've seen people that, uh, you know, they've seen a video of Ty Lopez. Oh, man, I don't like this guy, blah, blah, blah. And they already have created an idea of who he is. But I can tell you this. Number one, Ty Lopez is a great man of integrity. I remember when I first started working with him that, you know, being a leader in the um uh, entrepreneur space having courses like he was he got a lot of criticism and people would attack him oh scammer and, and stuff like that and I worked with him I knew who he was and I remember taking screenshots and sending it over to him and say man I, we need to tell this guy such and such and he said don't worry about it just let it take care of itself but I've seen him work in business and work with people in such a high level in, of integrity that I've seen situations where an average business person's integrity would have been tested and Ty would not even flinch and he would just do what was right um, from an integrity position. So, you know, that's a side of individuals that you don't necessarily see. And, and he's also like has this heart 
that really wants to help young people. He really like he's these young guys that are wanting to start a business. He really wants to help people. So again, he's an individual that enjoys life. He shows that on his social media. He has fun and everything like that. And maybe some people have a perception about it, but in a um, a one to one person relationship, there are dimensions about him that people really haven't got to see. And then what would you say in terms of like the biggest le- lessons you learned um, working with Grant Cardone? Uh, so Grant Cardone is an individual that will push you to work harder than you think that you should work. Uh, T- 10x mentality. Yeah, right? 10x yeah. mentality. So you got tied. Did, did he ever tell you to 10x the ad spend? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I'll, okay. I'll tell you a story about that here, here in a minute. Uh, so t- Ty Lopez would be four-hour work week mindset. Grant Cardone, if you're not working 80 hours a week, you're a lazy bum. You know what I mean? So it was hard because I would be working with Ty and Ty would be like, optimize things. You know, Let's just tweak this a little bit and stuff. And then Grant, I'd be running ads for him and I'm like trying to optimize and get a better ROI. And he was like, spend more, spend more. I'm like, Grant, we need to optimize and get a better ROI. And he says, do I look like I care about ROI? You know, so it's like he understood if he spent more that he might not have an ROI today, this year. And I remember he even said, I might get an ROI from this five years from now. I'm not worried about it today. So, you know, there's important principles you can learn from both of them. Out of interest, there's, I think there's huge camps of like the hustle, yeah, get yeah. up 3 a.m. camp and then there's yeah, yeah. like the let's not do any work and yeah. sim com, kimboyar and right. do a four hour morning routine. Yeah. Where, where, where do you sit on that spectrum in terms of like you've been very successful? Where are you on that alignment? Uh, so I think there has to be a balance. And I have to say this, uh, it's, it's like personal training. If you tell this person, you do this diet plan, this workout, it's going to be the best thing for you. It might not be. You, this person might work well on a vegan diet, and this person is carnivore. It's just kind of based on who they are and what they are. So I think from um, you know the hustle mentality versus the you know the relaxed mentality that you have to find out what works for you. I mean, if I tell you get up at five a.m., you're like, I'll give you an example, guys on my team. I'm a five a, 5 a.m. guy, and it's not like an intentional. It's like. At my age, you wake up at five o'clock. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, I'm I'm ready to go, and then I go to bed at eight o'clock. So that's just you know what I mean. That's that's how it works. Uh, but I have guys on my team that if I send them a message at eleven a.m., they're still in bed. But if I send them a message at two a.m., they're awake. So. I've learned to build my team and surround my, okay, this guy's a 5 a.m. guy, good, okay, he can work at 5 a.m. This guy, he doesn't get up till noon, that's good. So I think it's whatever you do, do it with excellence. If you can do it in eight hours or four hours, do it. And I would say this, um, there has to be a balance in the, you know, your work life and what you do in life because what does it matter if you make all this money and everything like that but you're not able to enjoy life i've seen so many people get up in this hustle mentality and stuff and like okay like when do you get to enjoy the hustle so i think that's important to keep you know that balance in life is there anything you've done yourself to find that balance so like for me for example i give the explanation i feel a bit like 
Icarus who fl- like flies too close to the sun and turns to burnout and then I bring uh-huh. myself back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I just auto regulate in terms of like, yeah, I'm wrecked. Like I need to go to the beach for two days. Yeah, yeah. Is. Well, th- that's that's hard to maintain because I, maybe at your age, what are you like, twenty one years old? Thirty four. I look older than I am. But uh, that that takes a toll, and you know, I know I've been guilty of doing that working. You know. 20 hours and four hours of sleep and stuff but for longevity you have to have a consistent routine Mm -hmm. that okay this is what i'm going to do and uh you know when other areas of your life start to come in like family you get married your children um you have to learn to prioritize what are my priorities you know, there's probably a certain phase in your life where the priority is build the company, make mm-hmm. money. And so that's the priority. But then when you start to have a family, you have to prioritize. Okay, it's not about making money. It's about being the best person I can for my family and then the best person I can for my business. And you, you begin to prioritize things. So I think that um, developing absolutes in your life, like these are absolute principles and things that I'm going to do every day and have a structure a routine a flow a discipline in that that will give you longevity and if that's done in eight hours 10 hours 12 hours you know that is a personal opinion and how an individual performs the best in that because some people they can they can perform better in four hours Mm -hmm. than another person can do in eight hours i mean it's scientifically proven it's it's not just like hypothetically there are people that can do better in four hours than an individual does in eight hours so you kind of have to learn what works best for you I, i agree completely um You've obviously spent a huge amount of time learning and developing your own skills and also have a great network. What do you do now to continue to learn and like stay at the front end of what's happening because the world is evolving yeah. so quickly? Like ChatGPT is what, 15 months old? Yeah, months yeah. old. So I think it's, it's almost hypocritical if a coach doesn't have a coach, if a mentor doesn't have a mentor. Because you're almost sending out a message like, oh, I've arrived. I, you know, I don't need. So I think it's important to have mentors and coaches and, and probably in various areas of your life, um, in business, in health. And so um, for me to grow, I surround myself with mentors, with coaches. And sometimes it's not a formal agreement, like you're my coach, you're my mentor, but it's unspoken this guy is my mentor for this area in my life i have mentors for my spiritual life i have mentors um for my physical life we don't call it a mentor we call it a personal trainer you know uh but that's a mentor for me so for me to continue to grow and to be the best that i want to be i have to have mentors i have to surround myself with individuals that are at the level that not that i'm at but that i want to be and so i'm continuing learn- I, I enjoy learning like i've i uh and i i learn from people all ages all backgrounds i find myself i'm i have a mentor that's 25 years old you know i'm old enough to be his dad but he's my mentor because i recognize he's a lot better at this than i am and i can learn from him you answer one of my questions then which is do you try and find like one mentor for specific things yeah, because yeah. the thing i found is the more skill i have it's mm-hmm. hard at like you need less of a one-sized like of course master sensei yeah. of, like, everything it's like a specialist for like youtube a specialist for facebook of ads, course for yeah yeah um yeah there, there's definitely not one individual that is going to be able to 
cover all areas of um, your life. Uh, for me, for example, um, people see me as personal branding, internet marketing nerd type guy. I do have individuals that connect with me on a spiritual level uh, because I'm, uh, you know, a spiritual person, a person of faith. And uh, but, you know, if it's a personal trainer, I'm not your guy for yeah. you. You know, if it's YouTube, I'm not your guy. But I know a guy, and mm-hmm. so it's being able to point people the right direction that can be very valuable too. 100. percent You. Have obviously a big business in terms of running ads and helping other people's marketing. How do you train your own team in terms of um, ads, copy, creative? Like, what does that process look like? Do you have like a an in-house like training portal you use with them? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, I can tell you this, and I'm fully transparent about how I run the business. Um, I manage managers, okay. so I have people on my team that I don't even know their name. And I remember a guy sending me a message like, hey, Paul, I'm talking to so-and-so. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. You know, no offense. And I'm like, "Uh, let me double check. Okay, yes, he does work with me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, what for me, I have to build leaders. I have to build, you know, team leaders that they are going to be continually um, growing, they're going to be taking training. And then from there, they're going to be. So w- what I do is I will take my leaders and I will send them to masterminds in their particular field. You know, so when it comes to the uh, marketing um, side of things for ads, if there's a mastermind that is a good fit for one of them, I'll send them to that and they'll come back with this wealth of not, oh man, I've learned this. And so I'm encouraging and I'm facilitating my leaders to get access to mentors, to masterminds and things like that for them to continually grow. That's, uh, and that's a way you can build the business faster without you being involved in the training. Right, yeah. You, you know, so it's, it's like this. I have people reach out to me and, you know, oh, you should join this mastermind and everything like that. And I look at the topics and stuff. I'm like, that's all great. But when it's all said and done, I'm going to come back with this information and then I'm going to have to give it to this guy on my team. So instead of doing that, I'm like, okay, that's a great mastermind. I'm going to send someone from my team to go to that mastermind. Makes sense. Makes sense. And in terms of um, if you are a new person coming into the online business space and you were fresh out of the gate and you had a budget, would you uh-huh. go straight into running paid advertising? Where would you start? I- so before paid advertising, I would do organic, organic to test. Uh, advertising doesn't fix problems. All it does is amplify what you're already 100%. doing. So if you have bad product, a bad service, and you run ads, guess what? Now more people know you have a bad product, bad service. So I would start organically, let the market validate that you have a good product or service. Maybe make your first six figures organically. And once it's been tested, it's been validated, it's working, then I would start to spend money on it and invest ads, optimize, and improve from there. Do you think the... We talk about ads, the strategies are changing in terms of what works because of almost like consumer awareness. So yeah. um, my opinion, I think like VSLs to like click and buy doesn't yeah. work particularly well anymore. Yeah. Um, and I'm a big fan of like messenger ads. I quite like that. Yeah. But I yeah. think that's getting less effective than it used to be. What Do you have a preference in terms of like ad styles you like sure. to try and root use or any types of specific campaigns? Or? Yeah, so I think one of the things that you have to recognize is that people's attention span has 
slowly and slowly decreased. Less of the goldfish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. So, I remember the day when we first started doing webinars. The average webinar was over two hours long. And people would go watch a two-hour-long webinar. I mean, now, two hours, that's like an entire Netflix series or something like that. Like, I got to get popcorn and, you know, take time off work to watch a two-hour webinar. So it went from two hours. And then it was the 90-minute webinar. That was like the, the gold standard, 90 minutes. And then it was 60 minutes. And then it was 45 minutes. And then it was 30 minutes. And now it's like a seven-minute VSL and get a person on a call. So you have to understand that people's attention span, the way that things work, um, has changed significantly. Um, we do like the uh, DM ads because it's an opportunity for you to connect with a person personally and have a conversation with them. I know a lot of people, they'll rely on mini chat and different different types of automations to do that. And for you know some simple ads, that might work. But I think the most effective way is that you can have conversations. For example, what I'll do is I have three layers of conversational ads that we use for it excuse me, DM ads, person comes in and the first response or two might be automated. So we capture it with an automation. Um, Then a VA jumps in and not just a VA that is working a script, but a VA that is working principles and a blueprint, not just a script. So a script is if a person says this, you say this, and it's just, you know, this copy and paste script that everybody's going to get the same script. But when you have kind of a blueprint, a model for people to go through, then it becomes more personal. For example, if a person says to you, hey, I'm sorry, I can't chat right now. Um, my husband's sick and he's in the hospital. A script would say, when you're ready to talk, you know, give us yeah. a, um, but if you have a real person, I'm sorry to hear about your, your husband. Hope he gets well soon. Take your time. If you want to chat more in the future, just let me know versus a script. So that is going to be more real, more meaningful. And I promise you it, it's going to get you more sales. We talk about more sales. I think one of the biggest things entrepreneurs struggle with is mindset. Yeah. How have you developed your mindset in terms of like having the business success you had and, maybe not getting overwhelmed working with big names who first came to them because like maybe you tell me stories of like people you sit with like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. like, shit like this yeah, is yeah, insane yeah. Um, how have you built your mindset over time to be at the, the level you're at now with the businesses that run and what you do yeah so I I think that uh, you know for me personally I have to recognize uh, where the success came from and uh, that it's a gift it's a blessing what I do with it. It's a responsibility that I have um, and how I treat it and how I treat others. Um, I think that it it is very important for every successful um, person. And like you said, I've worked with celebrities that, you know, I've worked with people that are billionaires. And the difference of these very successful people that individuals like to actually be around is they are still connected with reality and they're still accessible and they recognize where they came from and who they are today and they're still relatable and they keep a sense of humility about that that you know i i think hard work experience and everything like that did have a big part in my success 
But some of it was, I was just in the right place at the right time. You know, it could have been some other person. So understanding that and recognizing in that success that you're no greater or more important than someone on some other level, that that balance is is so important to have. And if you had to roll things back, what advice would you give yourself now in hindsight, knowing what you know now? Oh, you started? man, I, I think there's a lot of things like from an ad platform, from, you know, systems and funnels. There's a lot of times that I was doing a lot of stuff. I was making good money, but if I would have done it differently, I would still be making money from that you know back then back then yeah yeah uh so i I used to get stuck on the um the quick money the quick money you know so it's like i did things like i had viral websites you know like these clickbait websites that you people would go to and get millions of views and i'd make money from it and it was based on the ads that were on the site but in doing that i never clicked I never collected emails, phone numbers, and stuff like that. And I was—I had websites That's that literally insane. got millions of visits, but I wasn't building a list. I was just like, oh, man, I made $5,000 today on all these ads. And that was like, I was winning. But And I was doing that with paid traffic. Back in the day, you used to be able to run Facebook ads to these viral clickbait websites. So I would get, uh, I would spend on Facebook, I would get one cent click, and then it would go to my website and I would make at least five cents per visit. So I was spending as much money as I could on Facebook and then policies changed on Facebook and the party was shut down and I had nothing, you know, except the the money that I'd made on those websites. The traffic was gone, didn't have a list or anything like that. So I think I would tell myself, focus on building a community, not just cash, you know, focus on community, not just cash. And that will compound for your long period of time, right? It, it, it will. It will. Again, there's probably things that you can do that just makes cash, and it brings that temporary, all right, I made some money, but it won't have longevity. Do you see that with a lot, like, respect you've been in the space a long time, do you see that in a lot of offers or ideas work for two, three years, and then people almost have to reinvent themselves and of come course. with something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, for example, you... I've seen the evolution of Ty Lopez in his courses, multiple courses. He had 67 steps. He had the real estate course. He had a crypto course. He had a credit course, all these different courses. And it was just kind of evolving. Um, uh, Ty's genius is he's able to see trends very early on and and jump into it. Um, So being able to predict things is very important like where things are going and recognize that you can't be stagnant and stale in who you are that you have to be continually growing evolving and adapting to how things are changing 100 uh last question what piece of advice would you give me what piece of advice yeah, to our uh, well first audience. of all first of all you need to work out a little <laughs> bit man. i'm just kidding you look great bro uh i i, th- I think Investing in mentors, yeah. surrounding yourself with the right people, and going to the right places. So people, places, things. People, places, things. Um, and I think you're doing a lot of that. Yeah. I think you're doing a, a lot of that. You can never over-invest in yourself. You can never over-invest in yourself. Uh, you can make what seem to be bad investments in yourself, 
but you actually still learn from that. Mm. You learn what not to do. You learn what to avoid. So there's, if you're investing in yourself, you can never make a bad investment. I agree with that 100%. So. Um, where's the best people find, place for people to find out more about you, Paul? Uh, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Paul. Just, just at Paul. That's it. How did you get the Instagram? Yeah, you, you, you know, when, connection at Facebook. Yeah, when, when when you work with Marky, you know, I, I call him Marky or, yeah. or, or the Z boy. You know, yeah. um, when you work with him long enough, he hooks you up. Now, I was an early adopter okay. to Instagram. I've got at Paul, and I also have at Nerds. That's pretty sick. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So, for everyone enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe, uh, subscribe, share, and hit the like button. And if you want to come to our mastermind event we have in Dubai, which is February the ninth and the tenth, hit the link below this. You can get free access to that. And we'll see you next episode very soon. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. It's great.